Today's episode is done in partnership with Adidas Los Angeles in honor of Latinx Heritage Month. We'll talk about what this time means for us, how we celebrate our heritage, and give plenty of matracas. Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast, hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder, and me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Our mission is to use laughter and conversation to inform and inspire. For us, self-care and advocacy go hand in hand. We want you to be your best you so together we can build more inclusive communities. Welcome to the show. What's up, Tamarindo Amiguis? Hello, everyone. So, Ana Sheila, ¿qué pasa contigo? Good to see you on the interwebs again. Yes. Um, well, we've been busy. I've been busy. And um, I have just been really proud of myself because we've been doing a lot of like, we have a lot of presentations coming up, a lot of recording, a lot of moments where I have to like show up and be on video and all these things. And I'm just like really proud of myself because I feel like... Um, I, I have a lot more resilience where like in the past, like anxiety would have caused me to like want to curl up in a little ball or even like cancel on things. I feel like I've just been like, all right, you can do it. And it's just been really cool to see my just actually building resilience. And I think that's thanks to just pushing myself more and more out of my comfort zone al alongside you in, in this project. The, también just the support. Like, I think I'm, I'm grateful to you for always sort of like encouraging me to like, you know, to, to do things, but also, you know, make, making me feel like it's not going to be that hard or just supporting me when I need that extra support and just my own affirmations, just reminding myself, like I can do this and I've done this before X, Y, here are X, Y, and Z times that I've done this and I did well. So just, you know, it's just those little reminders. So just yeah. feeling proud of myself for, for hanging for in there with everything we're doing for, <laughs> <laughs> and for, for us, for just like getting shit done. Like we've been doing a lot. <laughs> yes. Um, ¿Qué pasa contigo, Brenda? Well, I've embarked in my, on my journey of being as I am a certified personal trainer officially <laughs> and I do have Ooh. one client. So it's been a whole lot of fun, mostly in it, it's a friend. So it's a very social thing and it's a great time to catch up. But the good thing is we're working out together and it's fun. So I've been having a lot of fun with that. So Ana Sheila, speaking about being very busy during these times, what do we have today? So today we're going to talk about what we like to call Latinx Heritage Month, but what has historically been called Hispanic Heritage Month. So Brenda, can you tell us a little bit about why today we see many folks using both hashtag Hispanic Heritage Month and hashtag Latinx Heritage Month? Yes, yes, yes. Of course, there's always there's always, what's in a name, right? There's always a debate with the name. Well, first, I'll give everybody a little overview about Hispanic Heritage Month. As many of you know, this is that time that we all kind of reflect on the contributions that Latinos have made into our society. It started as a week long celebration back in 1968, which is an important year. There was a lot of civil rights groups forming together, including one that we'll reference today, which was then called the National Council of La Raza, started at 
that you know, around those same years. And it makes sense is around the civil rights movement. And then later, members of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, they wanted it to be a longer celebration. And also, they always leveraged this opportunity that the media was paying attention to our community to also highlight legislation that supports our community. So it's always a, an opportunity to leverage that. And way back then, California Representative Esteban Torres called for it to be a full month stating, quote, we want the public to know that we share a legacy with the rest of the country, a legacy that includes artists, writers, Olympic champions, and leaders in business, government, cinema, and science. So it became a month-long celebration in 1988. And for folks that wonder why is it not exactly a month, it's because there was an effort to include all of the uh, Independence Day, like Mexican Independence Day, and other countries within that span. So it's September 15th to October 15th. Now, that's the history about Hispanic Heritage Month, but what about the name? Why was it called Hispanic? Well, we want to encourage everybody here to check out the research of Christina Mora, who is a researcher at UC Berkeley, and she wrote a book called Making Hispanic that really sort of summarizes why we kind of came around with that term first. And it really came from the census, the U.S. census organizing or agreeing on that word, I should say. And it came from advocates, including Mexican-Americans in the Southwest and Puerto Ricans in the Northeast, that wanted to organize so that the federal government could take notice of disparities impacting Latinos. Absent that, how would we know of a concentrated poverty in places like Los Angeles? So, these folks came together, they banded together because they knew there was power in numbers, and they asked the government to have a category to try to capture who we are in the community. And there were some negotiations on the name, but ultimately the U.S. Census said, well, we're going to go with Hispanic origin. And we only started counting who we are as a community in the census in 1970. So it's actually not, it hasn't been that long that we've been counting our community. And again, we want you to check out Christina Mora to learn a little bit more in her book, Making Hispanic. Yeah. And like you shared, Brenda, from from during these negotiations, it wasn't like everyone was on board with this term. It was like, basically, we have to get to a term because if not, how can we advocate for these resources to address disparities if we're sort of separating ourselves in so many different groups? So um, as many advocates say, we only measure what we care about. So advocates made, made this case and this is why we landed on one term, even though obviously it doesn't rep fully represent so many of us and, and today many of us don't agree with that term. Um, so obviously, yeah, like this debate over Latinx and Hispanic and Latino and all these things, it, it, it isn't new. <laughs> no, it is not new. <laughs> That's perhaps one of the true things is that there's always a think piece about Latinx, Hispanic, Latino, Latine. In fact, there's an article from 20, 2003, right? This is which sometimes doesn't feel like that long ago, but really was that long ago. And it's an article in the Washington Post, which we will link in the show notes. And the article is called Latinos are Hispanic, a debate about identity. And in that article, there's uh, think thinkers and writers, including Sandra Cisnero, the writer who grew up in Chicago, who's Mexican, who lives in Mexico now, and she has a, a lot of thoughts on the word Hispanic. But I'll quote a paragraph from this article. So the article says, quote, Hispanics derives from the mostly white Iberian Peninsula that includes Spain and Portugal, while Latinos are descended from the brown indigenous Indians of the Americas, south of the United States and in the Caribbean conquered by Spain centuries ago. So I think that that summary kind of captures, I think, what I've perceived as being the 
the feelings towards both of these terms. And today, there's research by Julie Dolan from the University of Illinois. So she's a sociologist. And she basically went around the country. And, and in some places, people feel like Sandra Cisneros, and they hate the term Hispanic. But in some places, that's just what they're used to. For example, in Texas and Florida, they seem to prefer Hispanic. While some of us here on the West Coast, we agree with Cisneros in many cases. So the point is, because there's a lot of uh, charge for and against Hispanic and a lot of uh, debate, overall, what, we, what it seems to be emerging as the case is just using the two interchangeably. And I will also say that there's an organization, which I mentioned already before, the National Council of La Raza, which now changes its name to Unidos U.S., in that same article, there's a, st- a spokesperson from the organization. She said this back in 2003. We've got so many real important issues to work on. We can't be bothered with this nitpicking. <laughs> um, so why might people reference or why might they call this nitpicking? Yeah, I mean, I think part of the nitpicking is that our community is really, really diverse. And according to the PewResearch.org, most Latinx folks in the U.S. are of Mexican origin at about 61.5%, followed by folks from Puerto Rico at 9.7%. And then Cubans and Salvadorians are actually the same in terms of representation of people in the U.S. There are 3.9% of Latinos are either Cuban or Salvadorian. And there's various other countries represented, but their percentages is lower than 3.9%. And I should also mention that according to unidosus.org, 24% of Latinx folks self-identify as Afro-Latinx. So there's a lot of variety within our community. Yeah, and I, I'm also grateful that now, even in the sentence, people are able to identify these subcategories, which, which we weren't doing before, right? And I think that's so important. But also, it's interesting that, you know, we've seen a Cuban-American family uh, centered with One Day at a Time, a, a show about a Cuban family in, in Los Angeles, but we haven't seen a show centering a Salvadorian family. Yeah, even though they, they make up the same percentages, right, in terms of uh, population. Plus, of course, there's societal attitudes towards gender inclusion that have put us away from Latino. And this is why we, Antamarinda, we like to say Latinx. There's also folks that like to use Lat- Latine, all in an effort to move away from the gender binary. And when advocates say that we have real important issues to work on, I mean, they mean it. We know that there's a lot of disparity. We saw how COVID-19 has impacted Latinx folks in, as, an, as an example. So there are a lot of issues. And here's one quick fact, again, from Unidos U.S. In 2019, the average Latino family had about $36,000 in wealth which is $153,000 fewer compared to white families. So that says a lot right there about the disparities that our community faces. And so whether you call it Latinx Heritage Month or Hispanic Heritage Month, it's an important time to invite all of us to reflect on the contributions of our community while also talking about ways that we could address disparities. Yes. So thank you for that overview, Brenda. And and with all the diversity within this large, you know, broad term um, and the historical context behind why we started using Hispanic, it's it's no wonder that many of us have had to reflect on what is the term we want to identify as and and why. So we're going to get into that after a short break. All right, so we've sort of set the foundation and explained the history behind Hispanic, the history behind Hispanic Heritage Month, and what we like to call in Tamarindo Latinx Heritage Month. So, Ana Sheila, what does Latinx Heritage Month mean to you? 
So I think, I mean, a few things. I think first it's an opportunity, like many of these months, like Pride is for me, the same with Latinx Heritage Month. It's really thinking about my journey as a, as a Mexicana, as a um, Latinx person in, in the U.S., my journey with my identity and, and how I've become just prouder of, of who I am and just reflecting on, on some of the... I don't know if tra trauma maybe is a strong word, but like, you know, like growing up, like feeling less than sometimes for, for being an immigrant, for, for not being white. And so just looking back on the healing that I've done and, and where I am now. So that's one thing. Um, Two, I would say it's an opportunity for us to take up more space because more people are looking at us. And obviously we wish this was true all year round, but it's an opportunity for us to take up more space so that we can have more of an impact so that the people are looking at us and giving us more, investing more in us, not just in this month, but throughout the year. And, and lastly, I think it's also an opportunity for, for me as a Mexican um, to, you know, learn more, highlight and invest more in, in some of the communities that ha often haven't been as highlighted as part of Latinx Heritage Month. So a lot of Afro-Latinx communities, indigenous communities. So just highlighting and investing more in those communities that haven't been as, as represented as part of this month. So that's what I would say. And, and Brenda, what, what does this time mean to you? Yeah, I think I agree with a lot of what you said. Definitely. I do think that it's an important practice to take time and honor the contributions of, of Latinos in the U.S. And I think about elementary school kids, right? I, I appreciate that this is something that is part of what they do now, that they have an opportunity to learn about, you know, people like Sonia Sotomayor, the first Latina Supreme Court justice who's Puerto Rican. And it's a wonderful opportunity for us to honor our living legend, who is Dolores Huerta, right? This is wonderful for folks to be able to point to amazing role models, especially when I think about young children. So I ultimately, even though, like you said, it would be fantastic to recognize the contributions of Latinos all year long. And that is what the point of this podcast is every single time that we come together and chat. I do think that ultimately it's a good thing to have this time of year, especially when I think about school children and them learning about who they are, right? And learning and being inspired about, about other people that share their heritage. So I think that's really, really important. So uh, kind of going back to what we mentioned earlier, the debate over what to call us, there's lots of opinions about what to call our community. We kind of learned a little bit about why it's complicated. So I'd love to know, and you know, there's some terms I didn't even mention, like Chicanx. So Ana Sheila, I'd love to know, what do you like to call yourself and how has that evolved? Yeah. So, and I think this is always changing, right? And, and that's like language. Language is always evolving. We're evolving. And so, and actually that's a reason why I'm a little bit frustrated by all the folks that don't like, that are so, feel so hostile towards the term Latinx, <laughs> because I feel like, you know, words like Hispanic and Latino, those were created just like all these other words are. And, and they were imposed on a lot of us. Right. So it's like interesting that people are feeling so hostile about people wanting to have a different label that feels more inclusive. And it's like, you don't have to call yourself what other people call yourself if that doesn't feel aligned with you, but why not respect that? You know, cause really as, as a, our former guest, Ana Casillo said, labels are about you. It's not about other people. It's about what feels good to you. And so if you want to use a term that feels inclusive, because that's important to you, 
Like, you know, and so today I think I would identify, identify as Mexicana, um, I, and in, in certain contexts that changes too, right? In, in certain contexts, I, I identify as Mexicana and other spaces, I would say Latina or Latinx. So it, it really depends. Um, but, you know, I've been learning more um, about the term, you know, Latine and why people like that. And, and also um, and also the the, the, the term chi, Chicano, Chicanex, that some people also write with an X as opposed to a Ch, because um, the sh, the starting with an X is actually more common and more common sound in indigenous languages where the ch wasn't it, it is not so i thought that was super interesting and that's something that i've been exploring because i myself you know both of us being born in mexico um didn't identify as much with with the term chicana growing up it wasn't a term that was around me but now as i'm getting older and, and i'm seeing how people are using that term really to um you know, talk about um, getting away maybe from such a focus on nationalism and, and also um, colonization. So it's been an interesting term. I've been exploring that a little bit. So, but right now, mostly Mexicana, Latina, Latinx. Um, yeah. And I yeah. think obviously I share a lot of your, your sentiments. We are very much aligned there. I want to go back to this notion of like the context. I think having been someone that worked for a national Latino civil rights organization and kind of understanding the the way the advocates that originally were calling for this term on the census, I understand the power in numbers and the, the need to come together and really elevate who we are as a community. And so with that in mind, I do like to use Latina very often when we think about who we are as a, as a platform where most of our listeners we know are Latinas. We like to use Latinx a lot as well because we know we, you, you me, Anna Sheila, we want to make sure that we're inclusive and recognize that there's people that don't fall within the gender binary. So we like Latinx and we use that. And it's all really about, it's a political term in many ways. Like we're, we are stating something. We are stating that this is an inclusive environment and why, that's why we use that term. So it, you're right. The context has a lot to do with it. The other thing that I've been exploring is, or, or reflecting a lot on, and this is part of the why it's so complicated about our community, is that back in the 2020 census, the organization, the Naleo Education Fund, a nonprofit civil rights organization, had to produce an entire explainer just to help people fill out, and by people I mean Latinx people, fill out the, the census, because what is complicated is that Latinx is not a race. So you can be a white Latinx person or a white Hispanic person, and you can be a black Hispanic person, right? So we, because this is a construct uh, created and as, as some people feel imposed on us, it is very complicated to see where we fall. Now, for me, I am someone that navigates this world confusing people because they're not exactly sure if, if I'm white. They're not exactly sure what I am. And that is confusing to people. And and I, I've been reflecting a lot on, of course, privilege and advantages of what it means to navigate the world in the skin that I'm in. Now, you yourself have told me, Anishayla, well, you do have some melanin, you do tan, you do brown. <laughs> and it is true. See, that because we, we are... We, many of us that are Latinx folks or, or fall under that, that, that label or agree to that, that calling, we are also of mixed race, right? That's, that's 
what's a lot, what is true for a lot of us, and and I, I like to also refer back to what percentage of our community is of Mexican descent, right? And 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 many people in Mexico are of two races or more. It's all very complicated. And for me, a lot of the reflection has been more on the racial part of it and recognizing too that when we, the, the limitations of language, when we try to be under this one umbrella, it, it makes it so that often in, in opportunities like this, perhaps the racial diversity within our community is not re- centered. Instead, we might see a lot of white presenting Latinx folks Centered, And so that's the opportunity that we have there. Now, Ana Shayla, something else that you and I both have in common is that we both immigrated to the U.S. when we were very little. So what have you observed as you think about how folks express their identity and pride and their heritage? Have you seen any taking notice of any changes or what stands out? Yeah, I mean, I think just... By being here longer, that means that we've just had more Latinos that have amassed bigger platforms, more authors, more, you know, just more media personalities. And I think that has allowed more of us to just feel more comfortable with ourselves and our identity and our heritage and just being prouder with it. And I think in the past, we didn't see us represented as much. And so I think that made it scarier for us to take up more space and to be fully who we are, like sort of trying, I think growing up, I remember at times being in, you know, majority white environments and just really trying to hide a part of myself because I didn't know if I was going to be accepted or if I was going to seen as less than or, or in college, for example, I went to Stanford. I thought if I showed too much of my my, my Mexicanness that people might see me as like not deserving of, of being there. So I think just, just people just finally stepping into themselves and, 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 you know, believing that they can take up space and they can do whatever they want in this country. And, and obviously there are so many limitations that are outside of our control, but just being able to, to be ourselves and see ourselves represented, I think gives us more confidence and in, in, in courage. So that's, that's one thing I would say. Yeah, that's definitely something to celebrate that there's more of us that are feeling safe in different spaces. And I, one thing that I really love that I see emerging in, especially in social media, and we see it often on our platform, it's this, there's now this whole community of people. But what some of you might call them the uh, no sabo kids, right? All of us that are bi- bilingual, that that or or that if we, if not bilingual, we at least very mm. much understand Spanglish. And really, it's like there's this whole world, bigger chunk of the population that can navigate. That is what what some people like to call ambicultural, right? That we can really navigate the two worlds, and it is and it is now viewed a little bit more as an asset, right? We, we've kind of done the mind shift of like, how cool that we are both. We are this and, not right. right? We are both. And that's yeah. what I think is worthy of celebration and, and what we have enjoyed observing and seeing more of. And, and all of you listening that are part of this world, <laughs> the navigating world of the ambicultural, how cool, right? How cool that we can be this. Yeah, that's... That's such a great point, Brenda, because I think, I think, yeah, growing up, I definitely felt ni de aquí, ni de allá, and I was trying to be more Mexican and more American all at the same time, and it was exhausting. Um, and now, we're believing and really feeling I am from here and I am from there, and that melt, that, that combination is what is, 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 is powerful. Exactly. So with that, we, we're going to take a itty bitty tiny beat of a break and we're going to celebrate some fantastic people that are sort of part of this world and worthy of some matraca. So let's take a little break for that. 
right, y'all. So we want to close this out with some matracas. So in honor of Latinx Heritage Month and this partnership with Adidas, we want to give shout outs to some amazing folks here in L.A. that are really impacting our community. All right, so we'll start with Bay Davis, an Afro-Latinx poet, tattoo artist, and organizer. She's the founder of Porch Poetry, an open mic event for community members to share their stories and crowdfund for each other amidst housing insecurities and gentrification in LA. I love this in their bio. They say that they are a full-time shapeshifter, shit talker, worker, creator, and part-time poet and tattooer. <laughs> I love that. And it's, it's, I have been following Bay Davis for a long time. And it's just beautiful when members are of a LGBTQ plus community are really fully stepping into themselves. And I, I know it's ins- it's inspired me and it's inspiring so many others in our community. So I, I love to see that. I love the work that she's doing and I love her poetry. I love it. I love it all. So um, and with that, now I want to introduce Cielito Cafe, which is a coffee shop in Los Angeles. And they are a farm to cup and they purchase coffee directly from farmers across Latin America so they can actually make keep more of the profit. And I know that like a lot, that's, that's an issue in, in the coffee industry a lot when a lot of, um, actual farmers in, in Latin America get so, get to keep so little. So I love to see that. Um, and I, and I just love, you know, having Latino centered, Latinx centered coffee shops. Yeah. It makes me happy. Matraca to Cielito <laughs> Cafe. Our next matraca goes to Jessica Salgado, a Salvadoran poet who writes about her family, her culture, her city, and her f- own fat brown body. Jessica is the co-founder of the Latina feminist collective Chingona Fire and an internationally recognized body positivity activist. We love her work, and if you all ever get a chance to see her live, definitely go see her. I had the good fortune of seeing her at the California African American Museum a couple years ago, and it was fantastic. So a big matraca to Jessica Salgado. Yeah, and Jessica goes hard for L.A., so I just love to, to see her rep in L.A. and just inspiring so many other poets. Okay, so now we want to highlight the LAFC Cuervo Fan Club. And so if y'all live in L.A., you've probably seen them on the Metro. I know I have. And we just love, like, the energy they have and the sense of, com- like, the community building that they do. And that's why we wanted to highlight them. I myself have never actually been to an LAFC game, but I know that I have wanted to because I've seen this fan club and how hard they go and how strong the community is. Yes. Brenda, have you had a chance to see them? Yes, a big matraca to the LAFC Cuervo Fan Club. So for folks that may not know, LAFC is LA's very own soccer team. It's been around just for a few years, but the energy is phenomenal. And it's probably largely because of these super committed fans. These folks, they, they have like a whole sta- section in the stadium. I have gone to, to a game, probably as you mentioned, Anna Shayla, because I've seen so many of these committed fans proudly wearing the logo on the subway. Um, LA does have a metro, by the way, folks. If you're surprised about that, we do. And they are so great. They have rehearsed cheers. The energy is just phenomenal. So yes, big matraca to the LAFC fan club. Yes, so now... While Adidas is obviously more than just a sports brand, and I can definitely still remember when I got my first three-striped Adidas sneakers, they had they were teal and they were sparkly, and I absolutely loved them. But it also, of course, it is it is it does represent a lot of athletes, and so it does make me think about sports. It makes us think about sports, and as a casual high school athlete and a sports fan myself. Something that has always been frustrating for me is the lack of visibility around women athletes and obviously even more so for for Latina athletes. And so because of that, we want to take some time to 
honor some Latina athletes because we know how important visibility and representation is. And I remember growing up when I was little, I wanted to be in the WNBA and like it, it would have been awesome to see other Latinas, you know, in the WNBA and, and have more of that visibility and representation. So we want to honor a few athletes. So I'll let you take it away, Brenda. Yes, yes, definitely. I'm so excited, kind of aligned with what we mentioned earlier. We want to just have more of our folks take up space. So here are some fantastic Latinas that we want to celebrate. And my brief anecdote about sports, I was terrible in sports. And it, and I think, too, there's also, even in those spaces, it takes a little bit of um, work to make those spaces more inclusive. And, for example, I would go to my, my uh, softball games wearing jeans because my parents weren't, uh, weren't aware about, oh, you got to get special athletic clothes. <laughs> so, yes, now we have little <laughs> girls that can look up to these fantastic gals. So here we have Catarina Macario, who is an Afro-Latina originally from Brazil, and now she plays for the U.S. Women's National Team. She's like Anna Shayla, she's a Stanford alum. And in, in an article that she wrote about her American dream, Macario says that Googling Mia Hamm is partly why she's living her dream. So when she was very little, she was a fantastic athlete in Brazil. And at age 12, she knew that she was not going to have the support needed to make it to the pros in Brazil. So her whole family supported her. They came to the U.S. And look, she's living her dream. She is part of the U.S. women's national team. So a big matraca to Catarina and her supportive family for making her dreams a reality. So who do we have next, Ana Sheila? So Sofia Huerta is a Mexican-American soccer player playing for OL Reign, which is also part of the Women's Professional League. So she represented Mexico during the 2012 Women's World Cup and then was able to play for the U.S. team in 2017, which is pretty cool that she gets to do both and honor both of her uh, her bicultural heritage. Yes, yes. How cool. I think it's pretty cool that she made it to the Mexico national team because she was not able to qualify for the U.S. team, but then later was able to get to the U.S. team. And it was very interesting because she's one of the, I think, maybe the only people in the world that's had to play the team she was like against the place she was formerly on. But hey, Nidakini that yeah, right? That is so aligned with right? our experience. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So if you have a little daughter looking for someone to look up to here, just two women to celebrate. And with that, we want to give a big matraca to Latinx Heritage Month and Adidas LA. Yes, a big matraca to Adidas LA for giving us this opportunity to introduce these fantastic people to you. All right, everybody, see you on the next episode. Don't forget to write a review and share this episode. Ciao. We love you. Bye. Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Anasheila Victorino. Our producers are Mitzi Hernandez and Augusto Martinez of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards. If you want to support our work, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. 
Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI FPEI 220099. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.